Yellow, it's Lucas, and this is Modern Hominid. We back, we walking through the forest again, riffing. Uh, a lot of people have been asking me, they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> so what is this thing that you're so excited about? Like, what is this? And the answer, the true answer is, I don't know. <laughs> Making it as I, as we go. Uh... And I'm hesitant to even define it because I feel like in defining it, it can itself be limiting by putting a name and saying, this is what it is. This is what I'm doing. This feels like it can be limiting. And I don't want to limit this. I don't know exactly where it's heading, but I do feel like I, we are heading in a good direction. And I feel that because I have this like well of energy just at my disposal to tap into. I feel like tapping into flow has been easier than ever. I'm like bursting and teeming with creative energy. Uh, maybe that has to do with the fact that I'm traveling and there's just so much novelty in the world right now. It's just feeling good. I'm feeling free. Or maybe that's just because I'm excited about this creative endeavor. Uh, maybe because it's just pushing my comfort zone. I don't know. Um, but I'm excited about it most of the time part of the time I'm just like scared and I'm in my head like what am I doing <laughs> and I think that fear is a good guidepost telling me I'm on to something uh, I'm trying to follow the fear it's not feeling too scary where it's debilitating but it is certainly feeling raw and vulnerable and like it's opening me up in a fun way and I kind of want to follow that I want to follow that little white rabbit tail of fear just follow it don't know where it's leading bobs weaves blind corners don't know but it's feeling good leaning into it and leaning into it in a no fucks type way trying to not give a fuck so i don't know what modern hominid is but i'm feeling like it and we are moving in a fun direction a scary direction uh, but I do know that modern hominid is for people who see possibility in themselves as individuals and as the collective greater organism that we are. I do know that modern hominid is for people who accept reality as it is and who see that it and we can be better. I know that it's for people who are seeking to grow, people who are actively seeking discomfort who see that discomfort is something worth leaning into it's for people who are brave enough to turn the shower cold modern hominid is for people who see that life is a participatory sport for those people who are sitting on the bench and eagerly grunting put me in coach modern hominid is for those people that see that death is always just around the corner it's for people who have tasted the zesty juice of openness and are thirsty for more. It's for people who see that we are all on the same team, that humanity is a team sport. Modern hominid is for seekers, for people that see that life is for living, good living. It's for people who are willing to be the first on the dance floor. It's for people who are not preoccupied by the weather. 
It's for people who think that farting in 69 are funny. We are all modern hominids. We are all walking around with our prehistoric, pre-modern DNA and hardwiring living in this somewhat advanced, weird, concrete jungle of a world. And modern hominid is a nod to that. And who knows where we're going. Modern hominid is for those who accept reality as it is while simultaneously holding true that things, it, we, can be better. And I guess, I guess that's what, that's why I'm here. Uh, I do accept things as they are, and I deeply, I guess, want things to be better. I don't really care if they do get better, but in trying to help, just feels good. It's almost aligning for my day, for my life like so I'm teaching I'm trying to make things better I'm trying to help when and where and how I can so that's what we're doing here and it seems like a good place to start if what I want is for things to be better for us to be better uh, a good place to start is hyper local in community Relationship to relationship, conversation to conversation, uh, finding the others, the others who think like you, believe what you do, and banding together in community and saying, yeah, let's go here, let's go here, let's do this, right? At least initially it's finding the others who think like you, and then maybe the others becomes the other others, like the others who don't think like you and don't, but it seems to start with the others, community, starting small. And maybe this can be a little launching point, almost an excuse for me to get the homies together, for me to get people together, us to get people together and say, hey, we want to live like this. Not because we have to, but because we think it's better like that. Uh, getting people organized around an idea and saying, let's go here. Let's go there. So maybe, maybe that's what we're doing here with Modern Hominid. Uh, and I think what this is pointing towards is culture. I think this starts with culture. Uh, and I want to riff a little bit on culture right now. The best way I've, and the most simplest way I've heard culture described is from Seth Godin. And he says, most simply, culture is people like us do things like this. It's people like us here in this classroom, we treat each other like this. When you're in this classroom, this is how we are. And that is the classroom culture. Or people like us, you obviously need to define us. So people like us, the people of Salt Lake City. Uh, this is how we do things here when we drive through town. We use our blinker and we drive 25 miles or whatever, right? Like those are laws that help build our culture. But there are other unspoken things in culture, right? Like people like us don't do things like this. Like you generally in the United States don't walk down the street with your face crinkled, sticking your tongue out at people. There's no law against it. But people like us here, we don't do things like that. And that is the culture. Culture is the 
social fabric, the mesh between all of us, the mesh that links all humans together. It's how we interact as the greater organism that we are. And that can be both in one relationship between two people. There can be a culture between you, kind of how you guys do things. Or that can be in a small community, it can be in a familial house, it can be in a city, it can be in a town, a state, a country, in the world. Uh, Whatever it is, you need to define us and you need to define this. People like us do things like this. Uh, And that kind of goes along with this saying that this Israeli dude who's making the logo for Modern Hominid was just riffing on as he was doing his art. He was like, in Israel, we have this saying, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are, right? Which kind of encapsulates the idea. Uh, And there's sayings like this in the US as well, but show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. Meaning the five people closest to you are a pretty good indicator of the type of person you are as well because there is this intricate and intimate connection between us between individuals and that that is culture and the forces of that intimate connection are strong powerful and almost sometimes imperceptible we don't see them we don't always feel them but they are there almost like a puppeteer behind the curtain pulling strings on the puppet uh, the puppet maybe doesn't even know that it's being pulled on by the strings uh, it maybe feels like it's navigating the stage with its autonomy but behind the scenes is the puppeteer the strings of culture forcing us to act and behave the way we do in really good ways and in some ways in our society uh, ways that I think could have some improvement some ways I think things could be better Um, which I'd like to riff on but another little analogy to start to see culture to start to see the mesh the social fabric between us why we us humans behave the way we do Water is to fish as culture is to humans. And what I mean by that is fish are living in water. They're swimming around in it. Uh, Their lives are immersed in it. However, they can't see it. They don't see the water. Their eyes are designed such that they don't see the water, much like we don't see the air. Yet the water has a huge impact on how fish live, right? It has an impact on how they breathe, the gills that they actually evolved. It has an impact on where they choose to rest dormant. It has an impact on the type of vegetation and environment they swim around on. It has a huge impact on their lives, yet they don't see it. And culture is much the same to us. It is this invisible, imperceptible thing that is very much swaying our daily decisions, how we behave. People like us do things like this. Okay, cool, Lucas. Uh, But why do we care? Why does this matter? Well, it matters because if what I want, what we want is for things to be better, tweaking culture seems like a pretty cool way to affect positive change both like locally in the community uh and also maybe bigger scale or maybe even just small scale within your relationships changing the culture 
how you do things in your relationship. And my students have showed me that. Uh, I set the groundwork for the culture of the classroom. And for the most part, I decide this is how we're going to do things in here because I've thought about it deeper than the students. However, the ones, the students who do have an impact on the classroom culture are the ones who see the culture of the class first and then push on the boundaries a little bit. They're like, hey, Mr. Lukes, we see that this is what we do in here and why we do it. And I think it'd be better like this. And the students who embody that are the ones who actually have an impact and sway the classroom culture in old Mr. Lucas's science class. One cultural phenomenon that has kind of been thrown in front of my face right now as I travel down here in Mexico is the imperceptible yet very real dichotomy between individualistic and collective cultures. Uh, the U.S. is very much an individualistic uh, culture and Mexico is very much a collective oriented culture. Uh, so what does that mean? There was a study conducted that I read out of the book Behave by Robert Sapolsky in which mothers from both individualistic cultures and collective cultures uh, were shown a picture and this picture was a picture of a school of fish swimming through the water and out in front of this school of fish was one lone fish okay so big picture a big school of fish and out in front is one other singular fish and these mothers were given the task of telling explaining to their kids what is happening in this picture assigning meaning to what this picture is trying to say okay so if the mother was from an individualistic culture raised in somewhere like the u.s this mother would go on to explain how the fish out front is the leader, the CEO of the organization, and is the brave one who is leading all the rest of the fish to glory and to safety. And if you were a mother from a collectivist culture, a collectivist upbringing, somewhere like Japan or Mexico, uh, <laughs> turns out these mothers described the fish out front as not belonging, not being able to get along, as a little bit of an outcast and it's funny because it points to the cultural upbringing of the mother and where she was raised these are things we don't see they are not in our conscious mind yet they very much impact how we see the world and i think if we can tweak little cult cultural things to help align towards human flourishment that that could be a cool way to start to make things better as a little side note to this individual versus collective cultural underpinning, I see down here, I notice. So having just walked around through a lot of the little pueblos and cities down here in Mexico, the collective culture, I'm noticing that those with money, those with status, uh, probably some privilege, those who have the opportunity to choose where they live down here in Mexico, um, are choosing to live closer to the markets, closer to the center of town, connected to one another in community. Uh, and it seems to me as if those who don't have quite, the, quite as much economic advantage, uh, they're getting pushed to the fringes of town and are living up closer to the mountains, closer to nature, uh, and, and closer uh, yeah, outside the town, um, which to me is 
very drastically different from how things are in the U.S. The individualistic culture in the U.S., it seems to me those with money are moving to the suburbs, moving to the fringes, moving to the outside, buying my own six acres of land so I have my own land and my own backyard with my own barbecue, uh, whereas those who don't necessarily have money um, or have as much money are pushed towards the middle, towards the center of town, living in the spaces that, quote, are undesirable. And my question is, where does this desire of where to live come from? And it seems to me that this desire is coming from the cultural underpinning of individual versus collective. Those individualistic cultures put on a pedestal the idea of privacy and freedom and my own, my own, this is mine. Individual, putting the individual above the collective. And those in the collectivist cultures, like down here in Mexico, are putting on a pedestal... The, the reality of what we are, the interconnectivity, the social fabric tying us together, the, the understanding that we need each other, and we do need each other. There's an old adage that the shepherd, the person who herds sheep, they don't have to herd all 80 sheep. They're not spending time on with a stick whacking each sheep to keep them in line. No, the smart shepherd knows that you only need to control five. You only need to control five key players of the herd. And those key players then dictate where the rest of the sheep go. Or should I say follow? And culture is much the same. It is a human tendency to belong. There is a social fabric between the sheep. They all follow one another, following the herd. And the same is true for us. So if we can tweak our cultural norms to support us modern hominids rather than sabotage, ooh, that seems exciting to me. And this may be where humans are somewhat unique. Uh, horses and most organisms in this world are born more or less ready to hit the ground running, right? Horses are born and within 20 minutes they're standing and already starting to trot. Humans take two years to start to walk, let alone spending 18 years living in the home, learning from our parents before we're finally set off into the wild. 18 years until we go off on our own. And that's 18 years of living and learning intimately from our environment, from our parents, from our community as how to be a human, right? And that coincides with our prefrontal cortex, uh, the most recently evolved part of our brain. Uh, the prefrontal cortex is mainly involved in behavioral self-regulation, thinking about the common good, and doing the hard thing when it's the right thing. That is the prefrontal cortex's job. And number one, the prefrontal cortex doesn't come online until about 12 years old. I see that teaching my seventh graders. Uh, and it continues to develop until age 25. And the prefrontal cortex is not this hardwiring thing that we are born with. Rather, it is this thing, it is this series of unconnected neurons that become connected through our lived experience, through the culture we're brought up in. And our culture can support 
pro-social, collective, human flourishing ways of connecting the synapses between your prefrontal cortex, or our culture can support the connecting of synapses that are promoting the well-being of corporations and growth economy and profit and we can align the cultural norms to support human flourishment uh, to support humans in the way we want to live to support being a modern hominid humans do not come out of the kiln as glazed earthenware unmalleable and more or less set in our ways humans are more this wet, moist, malleable, squishy ball of clay that over the lived experience of 12, 13, 14, 25 years, we start to mold ourselves into the beings that we are. And the hands that are molding our ball of clay are the forces of culture, the parenting norms, the school norms. People like us do things like this. One of the... Uh, yeah, new research points towards the biggest indicator of success of a human is the area code in which they were born, right? Like the culture in which they grow up in. Does your culture promote well-being or is it one that chases the incessant acquisition of green paper as its metric of success? The good news is that us humans built our culture. We established our cultural norms, which means we can also rebuild them, unbuild them, start new ones. So here's to surrounding ourselves by people that inspire us. Here's to seeing the rules so that we can start to bend them. Here's to people like us doing things like this. Here's to starting small, hyper-local, relationship to relationship, community to community, from the bottom-up grassroots in honor of making things better. Not because we have to, but because we can. Because it's fun to live as if. To live as if we can. Here's to living in more alignment with the modern hominids we are.